Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. Oh, baby, do we have a show for you today. Some people have asked for this, Brian Nolan, looking at you, and he's not the only one. Robin, she's back, racing with Robin, part two. I think it was about like 100 episodes ago that we had my lovely girlfriend Robin on the show and she was great she's been asking to come back on and I granted her wish and no better time to do so after Martinsville and now the championship four is set because Martinsville actually was Robin's first time going to a race in person her dad came with her it was his first race in over 10 years first time he was at the race in Martinsville so it was a perfect time to get her vantage point on all that we saw unfold at the paperclip. And I also picked her brain a little bit on uh, what the experience was like for a first-time in-person NASCAR fan. And I think you guys will get a kick out of that. It's championship week. By the time you're listening to this, I'm probably already in Phoenix at this point because I'm planning on editing it while I'm in the air. But we'll see if that comes to fruition and I don't either fall asleep or watch a movie. We'll see. So I'm in Phoenix at this point. All the drivers are on their way. All the teams are on their way. The championship four is set. They're there early for media obligations. Christopher Bell wins his way into the championship four. Back against the wall for the second time in a row, and he gets it done. So much to talk about. Little time to do it. We're going to get to all that. But first, Papa Siegel's got to pay homage to the number 68 in this week's Wayback segment, and it's a very important one at that. Thank you, Duke, and welcome everyone to episode 168. 404 starts for number 68. No wins, but this week's choice was pretty easy, if not a bit confusing. I was sure we had discussed this driver in an earlier episode, but a search of my 98 previous contributions to this quality podcast came up empty. I think that Davey may have discussed this person when he was handling the way back duties a seriously long time ago. No matter, even if this driver has been discussed before, some additional attention is due. Janet Guthrie was a pioneering trailblazer for women in motorsports. She was the first woman to compete in both the Daytona 500 and the Indy 500. In NASCAR, she competed in number 68, for 31 of her 33 Cup Series starts. She finished a career-best sixth at Bristol in 1977, the best finish for a woman in NASCAR's top series, and a mark she still shares with Danica Patrick. Guthrie also was the first woman to lead a lap in the Cup Series. She did that in 1977 at Ontario, where she led five laps on the old road course in California. Guthrie not only was a legitimate talent, she also was tough. In 1978, she finished ninth in the Indy 500, an accomplishment in its own right, especially given the second-tier equipment she was saddled with. What people didn't know at the time was that she drove that race with a fractured wrist. She broke it at a charity tennis match two days before and hid the injury from race officials. That's tough. If you haven't yet seen the 3030 episode on Janet Guthrie titled Qualified, I highly recommend it. That's all for this week. Next week's a big one for me. Ain't that right, Doof? Thank you, Dad. Janet Guthrie is an absolute legend for obvious reasons. Um, I really encourage you guys to read a little bit more on her if you're not too familiar. I believe ESPN, I think it was them, they did a short documentary film on her and her accomplishments, the way that she's broken barriers and kind of continues to. She is a phenomenal woman, not just in racing, but outside of it. So highly encourage you guys to check that out. All right, 
Let's start off this episode, as we always do, with a good old-fashioned <laughs> And throw it straight over to my interview, which is weird, because it's not really an interview, but just sitting at the desk. Well, actually not at the desk, sitting at the counter, talking racing with Robin, part two, because it's been so long since my wonderful girlfriend Robin has been on to talk a little racing with us. Again, her first trip to the racetrack to see racing in person at Martinsville. And yeah, she had a doozy of it. <laughs> Ross Jastain's video game move, the Hail Melon, Ty Gibbs being Ty Gibbs, all the sights, sounds, smells, atmosphere, Martinsville hot dogs were consumed. We get a review and so much more. I'm excited for you guys to hear her vantage point because it was so fun. And I loved, 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 loved getting to see everything through her eyes as a first-time fan in person. So I'll get out of the way. Here's the highly requested, highly awaited, esteemed Robin Marks. It's Racing with Robin. So I am with the woman of the hour, Robinho Marks. After your first in-person NASCAR experience, you have watched it for a handful of years. You've consumed it through digital media, through television but never in person. So what'd you think? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Yes, you're welcome. Excited to be here again. I thought it was great. Um, I thought it was, the atmosphere was electric. There's so many details that you see uh, when watching a race live, especially on a track like Martinsville when you, where you truly can see the whole track at the same time. There were so many details I picked up on watching it there that I don't see watching every single week at home. Like what? Like the bumping, all of the contact that happens um, outside of just the big incidents, um, you know, fighting for space in the lanes, bumping each other uh, to move people out of the way, which we saw a lot of, especially in the mm -hmm. Xfinity race. Um, yeah, so definitely it provided me a different perspective for sure. Um, a lot of people, when they go to a race for the first time or even longtime fans that are watching, they kind of get their panties in a wad because people are like, oh my God, this racing for 21st place is spectacular. They're leaning on each other. They're beating, they're banging, but TV only kind of shows the front runners, which is understandable. Is that kind of what you're referring to? Like people were just beating and banging for random places that weren't really up front? Yeah, absolutely. There was, you know, a lot I saw, not just, you know, in first, second, third place, you know, people battling for ninth and tenth. And like you mentioned, even further back in the pack. And I thought that the radio broadcast did a really good job of helping uh, the live viewer through that as well. Um, I feel like it uh, brought attention to things that I, um, you know, have never really noticed on TV. Um, especially the things happening further in the pack. Um, and, you know, it was kind of crazy to hear a broadcast live while watching it. Like, typically you assume you're slightly behind yeah. when you're listening on the radio or when you're uh, watching on TV. And it was, you know, sort of crazy that they were able to, you know, to hear them commenting on what I was watching live in person at the same time. It was just kind of a... Um, an experience that I haven't had before. Because like when I'm watching at home and you're watching next to me on the couch, like I got Twitter up because our stream is a little bit behind because we're blowing on a budget and we don't have a cable box. And I'm listening to the scanner audio, which is ahead of the TV feed, but behind the Twitter feed. So everything's coming in at a different time. But when you're there, you can see everything as it's happening. And that was another thing that you told me right after the Xfinity race, which is the first race that you saw in person, was that the scanner really, really enhanced your experience. Do tell. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, no surprise to you, I'm a huge sports fan. Mm -hmm. I've been to a lot of live sporting events. Um, but typically you go to a sporting event and the one thing that you lose from the experience is not having the commentary. Um, you know, take hockey, for example. Uh, I watch basically every Capitals game. Really? <laughs> I know, it's shocking. <sighs> and... I love watching it live, but I do always have this feeling that I'm missing the commentary. You're missing your boy, Craig. Exactly. There are details that I'm not picking up, um, though I'm, you know, live and I should be having the best experience of all of it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I feel like 
the racing experience really bridges that gap where I still have someone kind of telling me what I should be looking at, um, letting me know what the big stories are, and especially important, you know, during a cutoff race, letting me know, you know, on a lap-to-lap basis or maybe a little less frequently than that at Martinsville, uh, letting me know who is where in the playoff standings. Um, You know, normally at sporting events, you kind of have to go in with the knowledge or figure it out alone. Um, But, you know, at a NASCAR race, that really wasn't the case. I wouldn't call you a new fan at this point, but again, your first time in person and you were kind of aware of what was going on, even on Saturday, but especially with, you know, where Ross was, where Denny was, that Bell needed to win and stuff like that. But again, like, especially for a new fan like you having that to be able to listen to and then actually see, okay, Striegel on MRN is talking about Bell. Here's where he is. Ross is over here. It's one thing to see it and know going in, okay, Ross probably needs to finish here or there. But after the stages and the points change and you know where the points are and then you know what needs to happen. And without the scanner like that, shout out to Racing Electronics, um, you, you couldn't get that. So, I mean, and you were using a splitter. So you were listening with your dad at the same time and you were the one that was controlling who you were listening to. So you had all the power. I, I did have all the power, um, and there were quite a few times where he didn't know whose radio we were listening to, so I would have to point it to him. And, of course, I couldn't say it out loud because one of the other things I was surprised about, you can't really communicate no. while at a race. I don't know why I underestimated. We'll upgrade you next time. You, you can get, like, a two-way radio, so, like, you can listen to the people, and you can, like, press a button and then talk to the other person that you're with. You know, that makes a lot of sense because there were some people a few rows in front of me mm-hmm. who we noticed were not watching the race at all and were turned around and talking to people. Yeah. And I had no idea how they were communicating with those people. Um, and then it occurred to me that that was probably the case. So it makes a lot of sense. So I, I want to get answers to these questions about things for a first time NASCAR viewer in person. And I told you yesterday that I wanted to save them for here. So I don't know the answers for sure. But sure. Uh, were they as loud as you expected? Like when you walked through the tunnel and they were qualifying, it was cup qualifying. That was one car on the track at once. But then when 40 of them come screaming down into turn one where you were sitting, were they, were they as loud as you expected? Yeah, um, it was pretty loud. Um, I will say the radios do a great job of muffling the sound. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had to kind of remind myself that it was you know, that loud by taking off the radio every now and then, you know, not too long to kill my ears, but long Mm -hmm. enough to kind of feel the intensity of it. Um, You know, I think it was along the lines of what I expected. I do want to go to a race um, at a track where they're going a little bit faster um, because, you know, what I've heard is it's really just that much louder. Um, But definitely, I mean, the intensity was crazy. And if that was, you know, if I thought that was loud, I can only imagine what, um, you know, it would be if they were going even faster. Yeah, like Daytona or Talladega. I mean, Bristol Night Race, I want to take you there next year because they're going faster, yes, but it's also a bowl and everything's surrounding you. So the sound just kind of reverberates off everywhere. So even though Martinsville was one of the shorter, it is the shortest track and, and slower, um, were the cars as fast, like up close when you were on pit road in the garage and then watching from the stands, were, was it as fast as you expected? You know, I think when they immediately went by me, it seemed fast. Um, but then when I, while I was watching them go around the track, it almost felt like slow motion. Yeah. Um, well, when it happens 500 times in a row, it kind of gets rhythmic. That That is true. Um, Too long. The But the one thing I will say is that, you know, I'd be watching somebody, um, you know, watch them go maybe a third of the track, and then I would change my focus over to somebody else, and then... Before I knew it, the first person was already back in my line of sight, um, you know, coming around turn one where I was sitting. Um, So, you know, they must be going pretty fast, um, but I'm sure that's also a product of a short track. All right. So we got the sights. We got the speed. What about the smells? Besides the Martinsville hot dog, which we'll get to. We'll we'll get to that. But the, the fuel, the fumes, the tires, everything, probably cigarettes in the grandstands with you. What did an NASCAR race smell like to a first-time fan? I mean, to be honest, I've always liked the smell of gas. Me too. So, you know. That's why we're perfect for each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Our hobbies That's the include. Reason. Yes. <laughs> Smelling gas. Do it safely. Or not Don't at try all. it at home. Yeah, don't do that. Anyways. <laughs> 
But you know when you're filling up and you're like, oh, that yeah. smells pretty And it good. like accidentally gets on your hands. <laughs> and then you like don't wash it off. Anyways. You probably should wash it off. I pretty do. Gross. I do. I, accidentally, you know, sometimes you don't. That's why you got <laughs> hand sanitizer in the car for when you're done. Anyways, this, the smells besides the Martinsville hot dog. Yes. So, you know, I, I did like that smell. It, you know, it reminds you exactly where you are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, close your eyes for a second. You still know you're at a race. Um, the burnt tire smell, a little less fond of. Um, you'll, definitely, get, you, you'll come around. <laughs> definitely um, smelled that pretty strongly after some of the burnouts this weekend. Um, but, yeah, it smelled good all in all. Okay, so you know going to Martinsville from when I've gone in the past, you got to get a hot dog. Obviously. You can't get it plain. Wait, you wait, can't... wait. You said, you said a hot dog? Well, we together got a hot dog for each other. I mean, I had five, you had one and a half. Well, wh- what about the past times you've been at Martinsville? Well, the past times I got more than one, yes. That is <laughs> that is correct. That was a, that I'm just was... not letting you get away with that. I've admitted it here. I mean, I, I didn't get a lot this time because I don't like to pay for them. So instead of paying for 15 of them, if I can get 12 of them for free, which I did that time, then I'll do that easily. And I went behind the hot dog stand in the infield and I got them from the dumpster unopened. I think you need to have me on more because your followers need me to keep you in check. You're right. I mean, they love racing with Robin part one. I think I don't even have it. I think it was episode 67 and this is episode 168. So maybe every 100 episodes, maybe we could cut it in half every 50. I don't know. You people know want find me. People want racing with Robin and Jeff Gluck loves rocking Robin. There you go. Okay, you got me uh, derailed. So the hot dogs. Uh, that was one of the first things we did when we got to the infield. I generously bought you one and I bought your dad one and we all tried them. Took a picture cheersing our, uh, our weenies together. So, so generous. Very. All $2. I know. I know. I'm a big baller here. So what'd you think? The, from the pink weenie to the steam bun to the slaw to the onion to the tin foil, the whole Martinsville hot dog experience. Um, it was a hot dog. Uh huh. You know, <laughs> it's cheap, and I know it's part of the experience. So in that regard, it was novel. Um, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, would I go out of my way to get it if it was at a restaurant down the road for no. me? Probably not. But when in Rome, of yes. course, I will. When you're at Martinsville, you need to get a hot dog. So you had one and a half. So you, you couldn't yes. sprung you couldn't spring for a whole another one for yourself. You had to just go halvesies. Yeah, I mean, talking my dad into another half was even <laughs> even a lot. He was well with um, your stomach. I'm kind of glad you only went for yeah. A half. That probably wouldn't have been good. Yeah. Um, and the one thing I will say about the hot dogs is, I like all of the toppings on it, but the mustard I was most suspect of. Well, you know, I don't like mustard either. But again, when in Rome. Well, that's not the only time you've had a hot dog with yes, mustard on it. Go ahead. Tell the story. So, um, you know, one time when Davey was up in Boston, mm-hmm. he spent the day at Fenway when he had some extra time. Fenway pack. And he put mustard on his hot dog. Again, he doesn't like mustard. No. He put it on. Perfect squiggle and everything. Just for the picture. Do it for the gram. Do it for the gram. I'm not probably gonna... Probably for the tweet knowing you. Yeah, probably. I mean, you do anything for content, right? You gotta, you get, you're gonna get a Fenway Frank after I got upgraded to these amazing seats for free. And what am I gonna do? Post a picture of the hot dog with only ketchup? No, gotta put a little <laughs> yellow mustard on there. Um, all right, so Martinsville hot dog verdict. What would you rate it out of ten? Let's give it a three. Three. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I know it's no Portillos or half smoke from Ben's Chili Bowl, but. My God, it's not the toilet bowl either. Not even you're not even giving it a passing grade, a five. <laughs> Is five passing? It was in Montgomery County Public Schools. Sure, I'll give it a five. All right. Well, I had to talk you into that one. I would eat it again. So if that you know qualifies, you'd only it eat it passing. again at Martinsville. Probably. Like if you go or to Richmond was, or Dover really next hungry. year, you're probably not going to be like, "Wow, I wish I had a Martinsville hot dog right now." Well, one thing I will say, and I'll let your um, listeners into. Um, a little sneak peek into our life in our apartment. Got so many you, of them, yeah. you, you cook for me. So if you put it in front of me, I would eat it. So if you found a way to dye a hot dog pink and I don't know. put chili, mustard, onion, slaw on it. I don't know if I could go through all... Because even if I tried, it wouldn't be the authentic Jesse Jones pink wiener extravaganza. You know? It, it just wouldn't be the same. I think we'll stick to our Hebrew National or Nathan's and on the rooftop and grill okay um i mentioned richmond and dover so 
Martinsville's five-ish hours away. It's not super far, but it's not necessarily a, a closed day trip to make either. You guys made a weekend out of it, went to the Xfinity race, went to the cup race. You think next year Richmond and or Dover is on the docket for you? Would you like to go back besides to hang out with me, of course? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I definitely um, want to go uh, to more races next year. I can't believe it took this long I to know. get to my first one. Thanks, COVID. Um, I actually uh, texted Davey's dad after the Xfinity race, which was wild, by the way. The one listener still listening right now. <laughs> and uh, I texted him and I said, I think I'm hooked. Yeah, you are. And then I watched 450 boring laps of the cup race yeah. and was like, maybe not. And then I watched the last, you know, last portion of that race. Uh-huh. And suddenly I was hooked again. So luckily it ended on an entertaining note. I'll definitely be back um, as long as you're willing to show me around with yes. the behind the scenes um, sneak peeks that I got to get. All right. You are a professional podcaster. That was a great segue. So again, you're not a novice fan anymore. You do know what you're talking about. This is your second appearance on Victory Lane. So I got to get your take. We'll, we'll talk about Saturday in a minute, but you mentioned the last 50 laps of Sunday. So Christopher Bell winds up getting the lead off pit road. Denny's team struggling all day. He wins the race. Rightfully so. That should get a lot of attention. But Ross, the boss, the watermelon man, Chastain, he rides the wall, the hail melon, as they're calling it. You were in turn one, so it was on the opposite side of you, not far away because Martinsville's small, but what were you listening to at that point on the scanner? What did you see? What was your reaction? Did you know what was happening? Take me through your vantage point of the hail melon. Yeah, I need to be honest. I don't think I really was processing what was happening in I real time. I don't think anybody was. <laughs> I think I, you know, I sort of saw it out of my peripheral. Um, you know, there was a red car going quickly. Um, were people like pointing to it like around you? Were they like, oh, yo, look at that. Or did it just all happen too quick? You know, I don't really know, but. You probably blacked out like Ross. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, but it wasn't until on the scanner they said, uh, you know, Ross made it into the playoffs. So you're listening to MRN? I was listening okay, to MRN. Yeah. Um, I basically, I kept it on MRN most of the time, except for on commercials. And mm-hmm. then I kind of That's the best popped part. around the different. <laughs> you don't like the banter. No, I did like it, but I was interested in hearing too what was happening on the okay. radios. And I didn't want to miss anything um, important, That's fair. you know, during the race by not listening to the radio broadcast, especially because like I mentioned before, for someone like me who doesn't necessarily know everything they're supposed to be looking at, yeah. um, you know, that proves to be really beneficial. Um, so anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. You saw this red car just absolutely steaming up in turns three and four on the wall, and you're thinking, I don't even know what's happening. Like, I, I think everybody had that thought. Yeah. And then you heard MRN said that he made the playoffs, and you're like, well, I guess that makes sense why he did what he did, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have the opportunity. Go for it. I mean, I don't think, you know, I mean, that's unlike anything we've really ever seen before. Um, you know, somewhat hard to know what to make of it in terms of, you know, whether it should be allowed in the future, but I'll say it was pretty iconic. And I had people reaching out to me, um, non NASCAR fans, um, in all that I was at the race and saw, you know, this huge momentous, um, you know, thing happen, um, I didn't even know they knew anything about NASCAR, but it was all over the sports world. Yeah, I mean, it was not to be hyperbolic, but I mean, even beat media that's in NASCAR is saying that this is one of the most iconic moments in the 75 year history of NASCAR. And you were there for it. You saw it right front and center. And maybe on the other side of things, an infamous moment, probably when we look back on it five, 10 years from now is what happened on Saturday, depending on who you ask with Ty Gibbs. I think you may have a different vantage point on how that finish unfolded. Why don't you share it with us? Well, you were just saying how, like, I was saying at the end, people were like, all right, this is getting stupid. Everybody's wrecking, and then Ty Rex's his teammate for the win, and you were like, I don't know. I thought it was cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't call myself a casual NASCAR viewer. Um, You're more Because than I am your girlfriend. Yeah. I do watch virtually every race. But I am, you know, I'm still newer. I'm not, you know, I don't have, um, you know, too much care for the integrity of racing and all of that. So for me, I'm like, 
the bumping and banging as long as everybody's okay. I find it interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't believe how many cautions there were. Um, you know, for me, it was really exciting. I was telling Davey, like, my jaw was dropped. Like, I had to catch myself at so many moments during that race because my mouth was open. I was just, I was shocked. I, I couldn't believe what I You're saw. You're hooked, baby. Look at you go. Yeah, it was, um, it was pretty wild. Um, and you asked me before if I saw people pointing uh, when Ross pulled that crazy video game move. All I'll say is I know that there were more hands in the air uh, when Ty Gibbs won his race. More like more fingers. Exactly. The, the, the specific variety of which. <laughs> exactly. And that happened right in front of you. Yeah. You had literally a front row seat for that one. Yeah, it was it was crazy. I, I mean, not my, you know... Wouldn't be what I would expect to see someone do to their teammate. Um, Especially considering the circumstances, which I assume you knew since you were listening to MRN, because at that point, Ty's locked in. Brandon's is his teammate, which you know, and he needed to win to get in. And yeah, they had raced a little bit harder in the laps that preceded that, but I mean, nothing necessitated a, a dump and run, not a bump and run, which is a question I have for you, I guess, because you were saying how you like the beating and banging and you like all the contact and stuff. For a fan like you, who, again, is not casual, but not, you know, a purist by any means, can you tell a difference between a dirty move like that one is being regarded as by pretty much everybody versus a fair, hard racing move? Like, can you tell the difference in real time? No, I definitely can't. And, you know, I feel like anytime something like this happens, you know, someone gets spun out, um, I'm texting you or asking you. Um, whether it was intentional, whether you thought it was intentional, how you would even know, Um, you know, because you see good contact, right? You see people try to like push their teammates forward. Because you saw like um, uh, Allgaier and Allmendinger. Like, remember what they were doing? That was was clean. Yeah, that was clean. That was fair. And they were respectful at the end of the day. I think, you know, I think AJ went over to Justin. He did, yeah. Yeah, and he, you know, they were cool. They shook hands. They were good to go. Um, You know, tied this early in his career it's you know um it's a little bit confusing to kind of see him already you know picking so many battles especially a race he didn't need to win though you know i i don't claim to understand the athlete mentality and what someone's willing you play field hockey (laughs) yeah my (laughs) um my high school sports day you were goalie and you closed your eyes whenever the ball was coming your way that was lacrosse okay well same difference (laughs) but it's true (laughs) um you know, I, I know that, you know, and you and I have had this conversation about other sports. Like, why didn't they retire? They were at the top of their game. Mm-hmm. And you always tell me athletes are built differently. Built different, um, yeah. And, you know, so I, you know, I don't claim to understand, you know, what some, what one person is able to do for a win is, you know, different than mm-hmm. what another person is able to do. I, you know, and I also don't want to make assumptions about it being intentional. Um but, you know, where's the camaraderie, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's, again, the, the line between entertainment and integrity is one that's being walked every single lap, every single weekend. And for all the maturing that Ty Gibbs has done in the last couple of years, it's very clear he's still got a lot to go and a lot left. So we'll leave it at that. You'll hear more of my thoughts later this week on the show. Um, all right. A couple more things before I let you go, Rob, because I know you got some work to take care of. You've been to a lot of sporting events. You've been to NFL games, college football games at VT for your four years. Go to countless hockey games and Cap 1's rocking every single year with Rockin' the Red. How does the NASCAR fan experience compare to a stick and ball sport? Take your pick. Especially one that's a pivotal weekend, a cutoff weekend, sold out crowd. You said it felt electric. What about the experience for the fan that you had? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean... The fans were so into it. Mm-hmm. I don't think like, you know, I go to random hockey games where you see people in their suit and tie after work. They show up. It's, you know, maybe they got corporate seats or they thought it would be a fun get together with friends. Different you crowd. S- yeah. You see casual fans. Um, there really wasn't anything, in my opinion, you know, casual about the fandom that I saw at the race. I mean, people come decked out, ready to support their driver. They are very vocal, <laughs> yeah. you know, 
throughout the race. I mean, certainly with the driver intros and then, you know, based on whoever wins, interviews happening after the race. But even throughout, I mean, I would see people put up middle fingers. I would see people, (laughs) you know, cheering or giving the go ahead symbol. Like, you know, there was people were really engaged throughout the entire thing. And I mean, that's a lot to say for such a long sporting event. So what about like your time being able to tour the garage, walk on pit road, you met some drivers, you met some officials. It was funny because I mean, like, you know, I figured that we'd introduce you to some Xfinity drivers. Maybe you'd be able to catch a glimpse of a cup driver. And when you and your dad first walk up the steps, the infield tunnel, Truex walks by, Kyle Busch walks by, Bubba walks by. It's like three of the top 10, like biggest drivers in cup. And they're just right there in their fires. He's just walking right by. I mean, I'm biased, but I feel like you don't really get that kind of access in another sport. Yeah, no, I mean, it was pretty unbelievable. Um, You know, interesting for me to have that experience, see the behind the scenes. And the one thing was that was funny, and I think I mentioned this to you as well, is there were so many times they were dressed, you know, very normally, not even in their fire suit. They don't wear this all the time. Yeah, And I'm like, it was like, I think that was Bubba Wallace who just walked by. But he's dressed so normally that, yeah. like, he doesn't stand out to you. You're and not- they're not, like, huge athletes like you see in the NHL or the NBA or the NFL. Like, they're just normal, shaped, phys- physically-wise. I mean, that's just, like, how they are. So they're yeah. unassuming sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I think that was something that my dad definitely noted, you know, being surprised about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he you know, he expected them all to be kind of bigger. Um, and really, you see that more with the pit crew than anything. Mm-hmm. They have some muscles on them. Yes, they do. All right, let's go through the championship four. I want your picks for Cup, Xfinity, and Trucks. I know Trucks and Xfinity is not necessarily your forte, but it'll be quick, rapid fire. Trucks Series Championship. Ben Rhodes, Ty Majeski, Zane Smith, and Chandler Smith. No relation. Who you got? Well, we've seen Ben Rhodes do it before. Yes, he was drunk at the press conference after. Remember that? So... You know, I think there's something to be said for experience. Okay. I think you come in there with, um, you know, a more seasoned um, approach, um, hopefully fewer jitters than someone who's there for the first time. Mm -hmm. He's done it before. I think he could do it again. Hopefully he didn't drink too much in the off season. (laughs) You know. Well, they got him here. They got him here. So. So you're rolling with Benny Boy. Yeah, I think he could do it again. All right. Ben Rhodes is your pick for trucks. Xfinity. You got everybody's favorite heel, Ty Gibbs, and three junior motorsports cars, Noah Gregson, Josh Berry, and Justin Allgaier. Who's your pick for that? Yeah, I mean, for them, it really comes down to two people. It's either Ty or Noah in my mind. Oh, is it? Is it? I mean, they've just been so dominant. Yep. Um, can't disagree with you. I, you know, I can't tell you the exact amount of races they've each won. Um, I think Ty's got five, Noah's got eight. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty impressive. And they're both going to cup next year, most likely. Right. I mean, I think I think at the surface, Noah would be, um, you know, my pick to win. Sure. But that said, I mean, who knows what Ty would do? I mean. Who saw what he's willing to do yeah, for not I mean, a championship. To win a race. But, okay, as a quick aside, do you think that the fact that he's angered all these people, including his teammate, who's going to Junior Motorsports next year and Brandon Jones, do you think that's going to come back and bite him this weekend? I mean, I thought I was going to come back and bite Ross, and I didn't, so... That's a good point. You know... Talk is cheap. It depends, like, you know, depends how far, um, you know, some of those competitors are willing to go, you know. I'd hope that people would, um, you know, race cleanly, and uh-huh. um, we wouldn't have to think about it, but you never know. Um, so, so Ty I'll, or Noah, who you got? I'll go Noah. Yeah, I'll go Noah, too. He'll celebrate at Waffle House after, which is... a. Uh, Away to my heart. Okay. Cup Series is your bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Ross the boss, the watermelon man, the hail melon man himself, Chastain, Trackhouse Racing, Christopher Bell, ringing the bell, walking off twice in the span of a month for Joe Gibbs Racing, Chase Elliott going for title number two, or Afrank, Joey Logano. <laughs> Who is your pick for the Cup Championship? Yeah, I mean, that's a really hard one. I think they've all kind of made cases like we see. I think it's so even. Yeah, I mean, we've seen what Ross is willing to try to win multiple times during this year. I mean, and it hasn't always worked, but sometimes it has. Mm -hmm. And I think just the grit that he has, that will get you a really far way in the sport. 
um, you know, perhaps even to a championship. Um, you know, Christopher Bell. He's I hot. wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have gone uh, into it kind of expecting him to be my pick. Me neither. But somebody that really fights and performs so well under the most pressure. Back against the wall. Bell's going to get you. Absolutely. I mean... He's done it for, what, two cutoffs now, right? Yeah, Roval and um, Martinsville, and I was at both of those, so I might be his good luck charm. Yeah, could be you. So, you know, I don't want to rule him out either. And then he got Chase, who's been probably the strongest all-year regular season champ, and Joey, who won the first race of this round and has had no pressure the last two weeks, and since they didn't have to worry about those, they've been prepping for Phoenix for three weeks, not one like the rest of the guys. Yeah, absolutely. I think, honestly, in my mind, it comes down to Joey and Ross. And we know that they are both aggressive. They are both aggressive. What are you willing to do? You can only imagine when they're up next to each other. I mean... Whose melon will get smashed? (laughs) Only time will tell. (laughs) I mean, Joey's done it before. Uh So, you know, in that regard, maybe you give him the leg up. Um, But also, I mean, Ross winning... Would be so huge for him, yeah. so huge for Trackhouse. Yep. Um, I mean, I can only imagine the momentum that would bring to the. I think team it'd be one of the one of the biggest upsets in NASCAR history, probably biggest since '92 and Alan Kowicki won, which I know doesn't really mean anything to you, but it would be remarkable for a team in their second full time season to do that. And Ross's first year with them as the rebrand, that would be insane. So okay, between Joey and Ross. You going with the glasses or the watermelon? You can only pick one. I'm going with the glasses. Ah, frick. <laughs> Joey Logano is your 2022 cup champ. You know, if Joey wins, he actually will become the second active multi-time cup series champion. Do you know who he'd be joining? Kyle Busch. That's right. Look at oh, you go. Come on. I'm just testing <laughs> you. Uh, all right. That concludes this segment of Racing with Robin Part 2. We'll have to have you back on. Maybe we'll do a little season preview action for 2023 and, you know, we'll get you out to the racetrack again soon. But thank you for your time. I know you're a busy gal these days. Absolutely. Happy to. Luckily, I didn't have to go too far for this interview. Yeah, you had to go about, what, five feet from the desk? Yeah, exactly. All right, go finish. Now back to the desk. Back back to your drunken noodles and pad thai. (laughs) Have a good night. And we're back. Yeah, I actually, uh, I made that pad thai and I made that drunken noodles. Uh, Picked it up at like an Asian market by us on 14th street in dc it's like a ready to make thing took like eight minutes easy peasy very cool anyways i digress um thank you robin for coming on with me i appreciate it i know you hear me record these podcasts in the closet or out in the living room pretty much every week and you know what i talk about and how i talk about it and it was great to have you on to join me this week and we will do it again soon i promise and i'm really glad that you had a great time i don't know why i'm speaking to her because she's definitely not listening to this but I'm so glad that she came. I'm so glad she had a great time. And the fact that she actually was like, oh, my God, I'm hooked. She was texting my dad about it. He texted me after she texted him that because I was working feverishly. He's like, I think your girl's hooked. <laughs> I was like, okay, great. Um, so it was great to see that. I I get a lot of enjoyment out of seeing people experience NASCAR for the first time in person, like living through them and seeing their vantage point of it. And doing it with Robin was was the best. So um, it was great. It was great. And, and thank you to everybody, if you're listening, who said hi to her or met her. Uh, a couple of my homies, Joey Acock said hello. Myat Snyder, Sam Mayer, Ryan Vargas, Elijah Burke, Dustin Albino, Michael Massey. I tried to get her out to all the homies that were there in Martinsville. So thank you guys for saying hello to her, making her feel warm and welcome. And Trey Downey, apparently you guys knew each other. So small world this is. Uh, Hokey Nation, as they say. All right. We got to get into the meat and potatoes. Let's start from the top. Christopher Bell. Holy bejesus, my man. You have some cojones of steel. My God. All this guy does is just have his back against the wall and come through. He did it at the Roval less than a month ago. He needed to win. He did exactly that. He's on to the round of eight. He needs to win at Martinsville to get into the championship four. He didn't have the dominant car, but when he got the track position... And he did drive from around 20th starting spot to the top 10, to the top 5, to the lead. He did not relinquish it. And at the end, he had to get by Chase Briscoe, who was on older tires. A clean, hard, good pass for the win. And Christopher Bell, 
is on to the championship four in his third full-time cup series season. And this stat came via Larry Mack via El Supremo on Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Bell is now the first driver in NASCAR history to make the championship four in all three national series. He won the truck championship back in 2017, made the Xfinity championship four in 2018 and 19. 20 was his rookie year in cup. Last year, he got his first cup win at the Daytona road course. And this year he is in the championship four. So that's an insane accomplishment on his end. And I feel like we've been talking about Bell for years as the next guy in the Toyota pipeline. What's going to happen when Kyle Busch leaves? Well, we find that out. What about Denny Hamlin? What's going to happen when he gets out of the Cup Series full-time as a race car driver? Well, I think we knew our answer, but now we're kind of seeing it come to fruition. Christopher Bell is the answer. He's not the future. He is the present. He is here, and he is going to stay for a while. So Christopher Bell is on to the championship four, as is Joey Logano. We knew that for a couple weeks. Chase Elliott maintains his spot, and he gets in. But oh my gosh, the Hail Melon. It worked. I cannot believe that it worked. And when I say I cannot believe, I I still am trying to comprehend the fact that Ross Chastain's move, riding the wall in turns three and four, upshifting to fifth gear, grabbing it, and just sending it, literally worked. And I think a lot of the drivers that were on the track with him are trying to comprehend that as well because NASCAR posted a great video on their Twitter feed of all the in-car audio and everybody's saying like, oh my God, did you see that? Like, holy crap, that worked. That really worked. And (laughs) I think Ross kind of felt the same way. His team felt the same way. Everybody watching felt the same way. I did. I mean, I, I literally was watching it on a screen in the media center and I straight up just saw a red bullet go on the top of the screen. And I thought that NBC's TV was legitimately glitching. Like I'm not, I'm not BSing you. I, I thought that there was a lag in the TV, and I was like, that's weird. And then I actually saw what happened, and I was like, he, he he went video game. He went full video game, and it worked. And NASCAR is in the headlines for the right reasons, depending on who you ask. I think 99% of the people would say that it's a great move, and it is for the right reasons. But my God, Ross Chastain, look at you go, kid. You video gamed it all the way to the championship four. A seventh-generation watermelon farmer is in the Cup Series Championship 4 with a brand-new race team in their second year of existence. This team's first year of existence, the one team. Phil Surgeon, welcome to the Championship 4, kid. Your crew chief in the championship. Ross Chastain, how'd you do that? (laughs) My goodness. It is just crazy, the fact that we're sitting here talking about that and the fact that it worked. Now, that opens up another conversation. The fact that it worked means that it's going to be tried again, and it's going to happen again. Whether you like it or not, it's only a matter of time. I don't know if it's going to happen at Phoenix. I don't know if it's going to happen next year early in the season in Truck, Xfinity, Cup Series, K&N, not K&N, ARCA. I don't know, but it's going to happen. So what happens if it doesn't work again, if somebody gets hurt, if somebody gets injured, if it puts other people at risk? Well, right now, at least for the rest of 2022, NASCAR is not going to make a rule. They're not going to do anything. Steve O'Donnell said that on TMD. But for next year and beyond, they're, they're not going to put it out of the realm of possibility that a rule is not going to happen because essentially you need to look at those things. I understand that. Larry McReynolds, he had an impassioned rant about not making a rule for this. And I agree with him on a lot of it. And the naysayers like Joey Logano, Kyle Larson, Chase Briscoe, I totally see their points as well. Because if something, God forbid, did go wrong, that could have been really, really bad. Really bad. For Ross, for his competitors on the track, for the fans in the stands, like everybody, it could have been really bad. Bottom line is that nothing did happen, and it wasn't bad for any of those people. And Ross Chastain pulled off one of the most stunning, daring, incredible moves in NASCAR history. That's not hyperbole, people. That's just facts. And then let's rewind. Okay, so let's rewind today to the Xfinity Series and chat a little bit more about Ty Gibbs. I know we talked a little bit about it with Robin, but I'll give my thoughts on it real quick. It it comes to a point where you can't talk about it, you got to be about it. 
Talk is cheap. Show me what you mean. Show me on the racetrack. Ty Gibbs is a very nice young man. I've known him for a handful of years now, dating back to the K&N stuff and the ARCA stuff. He is one of, if not the most talented 19, 20-year-old kids I have ever seen drive a race car. And that's not as many as other people because I'm young. But you get what I'm saying. He's got to clean it up. And he said that he's got to clean it up. He's promised that he'd be better and he would clean it up. And this stuff just keeps on happening. If he did what he did to Brandon Jones to a non-JGR driver, was it still dirty? Absolutely. Would it have been as big as a deal? I don't think so. But that's a what if. And I know that we can live in the land of what ifs for a little bit and it's fine and, you know, that, that that's acceptable. But what Ty Gibbs did was not acceptable. That should not be celebrated. And it wasn't because he was booed vehemently by the crowd. His grandfather, who owns the team, basically said, we didn't want to see that happen. Brandon Jones, rightfully so, said that he lost all respect for him. Noah Gregson told him to go beat his ass. Uh, look, I, I, and I will say this as an aside, Ty Gibbs, you do that to Austin Hill, you will get your ass beat. <laughs> Talk to Mike Snyder about that. But it's one thing to make that move and say, I didn't mean to wreck him. I meant to move him out of the way. It's one thing to say that and then, you know, just go to victory lane, take your pictures, smile, do your thing. It's another thing to say, I didn't mean to wreck him. I just meant to move him out of the way and do a huge burnout, get out of the car, egg the fans on that are booing you, and then say again, oh, I didn't mean to wreck him. Well, if you didn't mean to wreck him, show some remorse because you just cost a lot of people a lot of money. And just because your grandpa owns the team doesn't mean that you're immune to criticism, Ty. I think you know that at this point, and he's not listening, but look, he needs to be better. I think he understands that. He realizes that. He recognizes that. The comments that he had immediately after, they weren't the best. The comments that he had on Sirius comparing himself to Jesus, they weren't the best. He's young. I'm young. We're both dumb. We're going to do stupid stuff. And we're, it's going to be out there for the world to see on radio, on television, on the racetrack for all of us. But he needs to be better about this. He He's smart enough. And if he's not, which I think he is, he has enough smart people around him, for goodness sake, to figure it out. It's not hard. It's not hard. This instance specifically, look at the big picture. Somebody had to be communicating with him saying, look, we're locked in. Brandon's not. That's a teammate. It'd be nice to have him in Phoenix because it helps all of us. What Ty Gibbs did was immature. It was selfish. It was dangerous. And it should not be tolerated or accepted. I understand why NASCAR didn't penalize him. And frankly, I think I agree with that because it's a real, real slippery slope if you start officiating hardcore with moves like that. But also, officiating is subjective. It's not objective. It's subjective, especially with judgment calls. You know, I'll talk about Tom Wilson since we had Robin on the pod. Let's use a hockey reference. Tom Wilson, he gets treated differently by the NHL for when he has a hard hit because he has a history of doing that and hurting people and being a dirty player, so some say. Ty Gibbs is no different. I think it's fair game to treat him with different gloves than you treat Brandon Jones or Noah Gregson or Bubba Wallace because Ty Gibbs has done this time and time again. So if he does it again, see ya. It'd be one thing if Brandon Jones does it once, and it's like, all right, well, that's out of character. If, if he does that again, we'll have to do something about it. This is repetitive for Ty Gibbs. And that's the problem here. Because this should not be accepted and be the standard moving forward. And, you know, you can open up a whole can of worms with that, being that he's a young kid and there's people watching him and local short trackers that are young and kids learning how to race the right way. And, oh, well, Ty Gibbs did it and he got away with it. And he's in the Xfinity Series and he's going to drive a cup car next year. So if he can do it, I can do it, right? No. Wrong. Slippery slope, people. Ty Gibbs has got to clean his act up. He's a great young man, an insanely talented race car driver. He just needs to listen to the people around him, and he needs to make better decisions behind the wheel. I think he realizes that. I think he will in due time. But, man, it's hard to think that he's going to anytime soon when he keeps doing dumb stuff like that. Whew. All right. That was not really a rant. I... I don't know, maybe it was. I, I kind of like got on my soapbox a little bit. I feel like Jeff Gluck on the teardown when Jordan Bianchi's like, 
well, go ahead. And Jeff's like, I'm not going to rant. And then he rants. Um, love you, Jeff. But anyways, that's that. I appreciate you guys listening this week. That'll do it for episode 168. Racing with Robin. Robinho Marks. Rockin' Robin herself. Appreciate her carving out some time because she's a busy, busy gal this time of year. But uh, she listens to me do the show every week. So at least she could do is just be on for a half hour or so. Uh, appreciate Dad with the Wayback segment. Appreciate everybody that said hi to me this past weekend at Martinsville. I really regret I did not get this guy's name. I was pulling into the credential little parking area on Friday afternoon. And this guy said, hey, Davey, what's up, man? I listen to your podcast. And I was like exhausted because I just drove five hours. And I said, thank you. And I was like really appreciative of that. I didn't get that guy's name. And I really wanted to. So guy that said hi to me in the Martinsville credential area parking lot. If you're listening to this, send me a DM on Twitter or TikTok or whatever. I want to get in touch with you and just say thank you again because that really, I really appreciated that. A lot of people said hi to me because of TikTok stuff this weekend, which I'm also really, really appreciative of. But I feel like if you listen to the pod, you're you're more of an OG. So uh, thank you for that. Thank you to everybody that said what's up to me, though. It's, it's really still weird and humbling that people are like, oh, my God, can I get a picture of you or can you sign this? It's just weird, but I'm getting used to it slow and steady. Um, man. All right. Championship four picks real, real quick trucks. I'm riding the hot hand time of Jeskies. Your winner there. Xfinity, Noah Gregson, Ty Gibbs has too many people mad at him and cup. I'm also riding the hot hand. Christopher bell is your 2022 cup series champion. Again, I'm already in Phoenix. By the time you're listening to this, I cannot wait for the weekend of action in the Valley of the sun. Cannot wait to see all you guys out there. Cannot wait to see what unfolds. Be sure to tune in, people. Fox Family and Networks for the truck stuff. NBC Family and Networks for the Xfinity and the Cup Series events. Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90 for everything you could possibly need, want, or desire. You know where your destination there. Got loose ends coming your way. Going to chat with the Championship Four at Media Day. Lots of social coverage coming your way. I'll be on site. Dom DeFrucio will as well. Claire B. Lang working hard for you. I am so jacked up. So excited for this championship weekend. And I know you are too. We'll be back to recap it all next week. Enjoy it, party people.